Hi loves, I'm so excited to be back today. I have an incredible guest on my show. She is a powerhouse. She is a mom. She is a money expert and financial advisor. I have the incredible Kristen O'Keefe Merrick, like I said, who's a money expert and financial advisor at her family-run firm, O'Keefe Financial Partners, based in Fairfield, New Jersey. Kristen has over 19 years of investment experience, having spent the first part of her career as currency trader and serving most recently as vice president at Morgan & Stanley. Kristen has chosen to use her background and experience towards the empowerment of individuals, families, and small business owners in the challenging world of finance. She's especially excited to work with women entrepreneurs and executives to provide them with creative financial strategies and solutions. In the past few years, in addition to building her business, Kristen has discovered a passion for writing about money and has contributed to many publications such as Forbes, CNBC, New York Magazine, Girlboss, Hey Mama, which we're both a part of, My Domain, and Coverture. She's a frequent guest on the Today Show, the NBC Nightly News, and Yahoo Finance. Kristen was also recently named in 2020 as a Badass 50 by InStyle Magazine. Kristen speaks about money, investing, and risk management. She has spoken at many companies and venues like Soho House, The Wing, Luminary, Twitter, Warby Parker, Forbes, you name it. Kristen is a firm believer in financial literacy for all and is a strong advocate to narrowing the gender pay gap and increasing the overall health of women, wealth of women. She's also the co-founder of Women Work Effin' Hard as a networking group for women. She serves as the director on Ridgewood YMCA Board of Directors, and she's a strong advocate of Moms Demand Action, Every Town, and Planned Parenthood. She lives in Ridgewood, New Jersey with her two sons and her husband. She is a graduate of North University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and NYU. Well, Kristen, you've got quite the uh, resume. Welcome to my show. Thank you, Allie. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. I love what you're, you know, doing for women and especially being a small business owner and entrepreneur and mompreneur myself. I find it so inspiring what you're doing and helping with, you know, money and finances. It's not always the easiest place. I know for myself, especially, it definitely isn't. I feel like I thrive in creative and sink in finance. And so I was just so excited to get you on today for my own selfish reasons, besides wanting to have you as a guest. Um, so it's so great to connect with you and, um, you know, happy uh, Friday. Thanks for being here. Yes. Happy Friday. Indeed. I, um, <laughs> I am half, I, I never thought I, I would be this excited for the end of the week, but these days are tough. These days are tough. Yeah. So before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you kind of became this money expert and financial advisor. Of course, we know, you know, you kind of were obviously working in it and did a lot in investment and worked Morgan Stanley, but like what really made you want to work in that field and what drove you towards money? Yeah. You know, it, my journey has been interesting. Um, I will first tell you, my father was financial for hood, so there was a and the background of wild and very always interested in, in wanted money. <laughs> Even as like a fourth grader, um, I understood that like money got you things and I wanted things. And, um, and so even as a, you know, as a teenager, I always had a million jobs. I really liked making money and I really liked having money and being able to have the freedom to, to spend it and do what I wanted with it. Um, I, I knew pretty much from the time I was in high school that I was going to go into some kind of financial services after college. Um, I didn't quite understand how I would get there. I, 
I did come out of college with a job offer from Bank of America, spent 15 years kind of working in the world's craziest market, which is the foreign currency market. Um, but through that time, I, I'm the oldest of five kids. I've always been kind of the person in your life who gives you unsolicited advice. So I was always that person who um, would say like, you didn't need to buy that sweater. It was way too expensive, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so when my career, when I was very clear that my career and Wall Street was needed to come to an end for, for both my personal sake and for that of my family, I, I really had to do some, some exploration about what I wanted to do. And I really had to think hard about it because um, the thing about working on Wall Street is they always tell you that you can't really go do anything else. They, they do this thing where they basically tell you that you don't have a skill set. Um, and if you can't work anywhere else, you kind of start to believe that. It's like the institution wow. of working on Wall Street. Um, so I didn't know, you know, I said, oh, I don't have skills. And my dad, my cute dad, um, took me out to lunch one day. This is after I'd had my second and I was, I was very much on my way out of, of Morgan Stanley and uh, I was ready to make a change. And he kind of pitched me on the idea of coming to work with him and, and being an advisor. And, and I didn't quite, I didn't really know what to do with that because first of all, it felt kind of weird just to like go work for my dad. Um, and I truly didn't know if I had what it took. And he said, of course you have what it takes. You, you have empathy. You have the understanding of how markets work. You like people. You like to help people. This is actually a great job for you. Um, and so I did it. I decided, hey, why not? Let's give it a shot. And, and I, I kind of dove right in. Um, I had a nine month at, at home and a I guess Willie was almost two at that time, and I just dove headfirst into a brand new career. Um, and I spun my wheels for a good, I would say, 18 months. And when I finally feel like I found my footing was when I started um, giving talks about money to women. Um, and that's like the dramatic pause of all of this, because it was like... Uh, I, I knew that women, women needed help with money. That was never, uh, that was always very obvious. But what I didn't quite understand is how much help they needed and also how just by explaining money in a very simple, easy way that it becomes very um, attainable for women and, and very empowering for women. So I started doing a lot of talks about money and very quickly realized that I was onto something. Um, and since then, I've basically been building my business around working with women. I and love that. Yeah, yeah. It, That's it's so awesome. Work. It's good work. It, it feels really, really good. And it feels really important, which I will tell you is not what it felt like on Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so like going from that, was that kind of just a trip to go from that corporate, real kind of like you just said, stiff financial career and background to then going into something way more open and freeing and you were actually like speaking to women and not only sharing your tips and everything and expertise but actually encouraging them and empowering them to be able to be in the same place as you yeah it's it's for you use the word freeing it's really interesting you use that word because that is how it felt and how it still feels to me i i I spent so long on a desk um, where 
I had no, not only did I have no freedom working on a desk on the trading floor, I had no, like, there was no flexibility at all in my life. So sometimes even this, you know, in recent days, I'll be meeting someone for a lunch and having lunch with a client, but I also like that person. <laughs> They're my friend and I'm having lunch like a civilized human being. And I realized that like, I have a really good life now. I have a really good way of like, of like my job now is to just see people individually, help them individually, make their lives easier, but it also as a result makes my life better. And I can create my own schedule and I can decide who's going to be my client and who's not going to be my client. And just having that freedom to kind of choose your own destiny. If it's still to me is a bit shocking. I still have to pinch myself. Um, because Wall Street had a lot of really good things about it. It was fun. I mean, very fun. Uh, I made a lot of money. Um, and I was surrounded by very smart people on a daily basis, and, and I learned a lot. But there was a lot of darker things about it that really started to not suit me and really started to kind of send me in a, in a dark way. So this, this has been probably the most exciting thing I've ever done for myself in my life, is change careers, which is also the scariest thing I've ever done, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you, you know, sharing that and saying that. And also too, like going back to when you were saying kind of um, a dark space and, you know, you were kind of feeling freeing when you left and everything. Do you think there was any kind of synchronicity that the fact that you were having your second baby and like your life was changing and you were kind of, you know, obviously we, all of us are moms, like, have given birth, we know like the light that comes from that. We know like the true like brightness and just beyond miracle that you feel when, you know, you're pregnant and your baby's born and all that. Like, I'm just curious for your own self, did you feel any of that journey when you were leaving, you know, such a stiff corporate Wall Street situation and then saying that there was darkness to it and then, you know, coming into the fact that you were going into a whole new situation, even though you were scared shitless, but you were also having your second baby. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there was something kind of innate inside of me that knew I had to do this. Um, you know, your first kid, and I don't know if you felt this way, but like I, you have your first kid and you do it and it's all great and it's all new and it's all exciting. And then you're like, okay, I have a plan. I'm going to go back to work and I'm going to get a nanny and I'm going to, I'm going to commute and it's going to be fine. I'm going to take the one train up and down. And I'm going to get there, and do all the things. <laughs> and then the second one comes. And you're just, I, for me, I just was like, I, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can have two little babies that need me and that I am never going to see. I mean, my days were crazy back then. I would leave the house at 545 in the morning and I'd be lucky to come home at six o'clock at night. So really, what was I doing? Seeing my kid for an hour each day? Like, it, that's not, that's not anything that was what I had. I did not have kids that I could see them one hour a day. That, that was really kind of how I was feeling. And then we decided to move to the burbs and have a, you know, and be pregnant. And I just was like, enough. I, I, I just knew that in order to be, you know, a good, and, and listen, I want to be really careful about how I say this too, because I don't want anyone to ever feel that they need to follow my path. For me personally, I knew I could not be the mom I wanted to be to my kids and continue with that job. Well, I um, think you were saying that because, you know, again, this is your own personal 
opinion and journey and your life. And so thank you for saying, you know, you don't want to obviously shame or judge or anything like that for any other mom. And I say the same when I share, you know, my truths and how I feel, but this is your truth and how you felt and how you got to where you are now. So I just, I appreciate you like kind of prefacing that and saying like, look, this, this is how I felt. And I couldn't do just seeing them for an hour to feel like what I wanted out of my motherhood journey. Yeah. Yeah. And, and two, I, I just, um, I really, I think I just needed something else for myself too. Like I was kind of done with that job. I had done it from the time I was 22 till the time I was 35. Um, it, it, it was a really fun job for a young gal in New York city to have. And it just stopped being fun. The things that I used to show up for, which were the fun and the money really stopped being that exciting for me. Um, and, and my, my priorities changed, you know, I wanted to be home and see my kids. I wanted to live in the suburbs and like sit in my backyard and like, um, and, and take, take little walks around the neighborhood that that's really what happened. And it was, I think it, it was a really big life change for me. Um, all those things at once, right. We moved from the city. We had a baby. I changed careers. Um, it was a lot, man, but, but I have to tell you, I'm so glad I did it. Um, and I think so many people get to that point where they're like, I need to make the change, but they don't. And cause because of the fear factor and, you know, I would say you gotta follow, you gotta follow your instinct on that because, um, you, people can reinvent themselves all the time. You know, you just have to, you just have to get on with it and do it. <laughs> That's what I always say. Yeah. So for you, it sounds like you kind of just jumped into it. You didn't really necessarily have a true plan per se. And it wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. And structured yeah. kind of like how you were, you just kind of went for it. I just went for it. And, and like I said earlier, it took me, a t it took me some time to figure it out too. And it was not easy. Um, you know, especially when you go from having a big job where you're kind of a big deal and then all of a sudden you're not a big deal and you're trying to beg people for meetings and run all over the damn place. And, you know, I remember just running around the city trying to meet people who would, I wanted as clients. And I sh showed up at a meeting with one of my oldest, dearest friends. And he goes, God, you're a mess. <laughs> I mean, only your buddy from like high school could tell you that. But I was just like, thanks, jerk. I have been running around like an asshole. They try to get clients. So yeah, it's a hundred degrees outside. I've got six bags and four pairs of shoes. Yeah, I'm a mess. Okay. I'm a mess. <laughs> so those early days were tough, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, thank you for saying that. Because I think a lot of times, you know, especially with social media and everything nowadays, like people look at people like yourself and they just think like oh my gosh like you know what you know what a powerhouse and look at all things they've done and it's like yeah you are a powerhouse but it's like you're sharing now like hey look at all the mess that you're not seeing everywhere else because you just see the finalized pretty picture yeah yeah I think that's important I mean I think like so you know the the journey is 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 difficult and um and all to your point all you all you see on Instagram are I had a conversation yesterday with somebody who told me that she had the worst vacation this summer, right? She went to Cape Cod and had like 14 things go wrong. She had like cockroaches in the hotel room, this, that, and the other thing. But she posted really pretty pictures. 
<laughs> so everyone was like, oh, what a beautiful trip you had. She was like, it was an epic fail of a trip, but Instagram made it look beautiful. So I don't have the heart to tell them otherwise. But that's what Instagram is, right? That's what social media is. It's like, look how pretty I look. But you didn't see me 10 minutes before where I like was, you know, wiping snot off kids and like trying to get my mascara on. So... <laughs> Totally. And and that's real life, right? I mean, it's like you just said, yeah. you're a mom, you're a mom of two. How old are your 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 little ones? Uh Willie is seven, so he's in second grade, and Charlie is five. He's in kindergarten. Oh, yeah. So they're like literally two years apart. That's like my girls. My girls are like around 25 months, 25 and a half months, something like that, like right past the two-year mark um that they are. And it's and as you know, especially when they're little, it's it's crazy, it's intense, but it's beautiful as well. Yeah. It is. And, and you'll be so happy when they're a little older. I mean, your baby's too young, but um, when they play together, they just, they, they are each other's best friends. And um, that in itself is a gift. That's so cute. I, I mean, I love to hear that because like my husband and I like feel that way. Like we see even now Arlie, our little one, like she constantly is like kicking her legs and like on the mat and like watching Amelia and tracking her. And we're, we kept telling Amelia, we're like, soon enough, she's going to go after you soon enough yeah. she's gonna play with you. Like you can just see it. Like they're already forming that special bond. So I love, I love hearing that. Well, and so being that you are, you know, um, a mom of two and, you know, very successful financial expert and everything you do, how do you feel like, especially now, like being, like we're all in a pandemic and everything in life has changed. How do you feel like you are, managing things and handling things that you'd want to share with other moms because I hate the word balance and I refuse to mm-hmm. like continuously yeah. use it because I'm like it just sets everybody up for failure it makes me feel horrible and it's in my opinion like there's just no such things I want to hear from you Kristen like how you feel like you are able to manage things yeah yeah so it's I don't like the word balance either because I don't believe it exists right I, I don't think that there's ever a perfectly balanced anything um I think that one of the things I had to realize a long time ago when I first had kids was um, that when I was with them, uh, that is when, you know, I would be present and I would do things with them and play with them and be a mom and do all the things. But when I wasn't with them, whether I was at work or at a meeting or if I was traveling or if I was even, God forbid, having some fun, it's okay too. And I'm not with them and I'm not present and they're going to be okay. And, and so one of the things that I have a tendency to kind of talk a lot about is like the idea of the mommy martyrdom situation, which I just do not subscribe to. I cannot get on board with being a martyr in any way, shape or form. So like my theory is like, I'm a good mom. I know I am. I take really good care of my kids, take really good care of my family, but I can't be present all the time. I cannot physically be with them all the time. And guess what? they're going to be okay. They're going to be fine. They have people who love them and take care of them when I'm not here. Um, And that has actually been my guiding kind of my guiding star throughout being a mom. And I think it's helped me in particular in these last few months um, because I've had to work throughout this pandemic. And I had to really work a lot throughout this pandemic <laughs> because guess what? Money doesn't sleep during pandemics and people, <laughs> people get a little nervous sometimes about, about their money and their investments during market crashes, which is what we had in March basically. 
So I had to work and I had to be like, you know what? They're going to be fine. Everyone's going to live. Everyone's going to make it. If mommy has to like spend an extra hour on a conference call, but then I'm going to turn off the conference call and we'll play, you know, I spy bingo or whatever, or we'll watch a movie or whatever. And, and it's, for me, kind of the balance is the imbalance of it all. And I know that maybe that sounds like a strange way of saying it, but I truly have to just say to myself, well, today I'm not going to be a great mom. You know, I'm not going to crush it today. Um, We're not going to make chocolate chip cookies and um, do an art project. Today I might not be here at all. And, And then the next day I might be a great mom. And and I might not be a great uh, financial advisor. So I think that that's just how I've been made, kind of always managed my life. Um, take it or leave it. It's, it's worked thus far. And I think my kids are really, really good about being left with other people and, um, and are pretty adaptable to all things because of that. I love that you shared that. And thanks for saying like, you know, you some days are killing it as like your job and then some days you're killing it as mom or some days you're killing it just as yourself because I think especially for me obviously with two littles like there's some days where I feel like I'm totally killing it as a mom too and I'm giving them both like you know as much as I absolutely can all they need and they're happy and everything's happy and happening and it, I feel so good inside because I can see them like light up or like even the day Amelia said to me like out loud she's like I'm happy and I just like literally started oh. crying like crying because I was so hormonal and it was like oh my God, you're happy. Like, it was just so sweet. It was so cute. And it made me feel really good just about what I was doing. And then like the next day I had a bunch of campaigns that I do my only work right now is like my content creation of social media. And I was hired by a brand and I was like in such focus mode of like working and editing and this and that. And she looked at me and she's like, are you done working? And I'm like, no, mama has to keep working. Hold on. Like, come here. And I was like losing my mind. And in my head, I'm like yelling at myself, like she wants your attention, you know, and I had to like say to myself, like, it's okay. Right Mm -hmm. now you're doing the one project you have had in months with everything going on with the pandemic. Like you need to focus on that and then you'll go back to her. And so I appreciate you kind of giving that grace to other moms listening, knowing you are such an expert and such a, you know, boss mom that you're like, Hey, some days I kill it in that department. Other days I don't. Yeah. It's important. It's also important just to give yourself a break, you know, just also hard on ourselves. And, um, and, and, and why, like what, you know, what's the point of just beating yourself up all the time? It's just, it's just not a good use of your energy, you know? it's, it's, that's what I've had to learn in these last few months too, is like the energy allocation is so crucial right now. Um, so give yourself a break. (laughs) Yeah. Just, yeah. No, I love that. Like such a good message. How do you give yourself a break and how do you especially give yourself a break right now during a pandemic? Uh, does drinking? (laughs) Listen, whatever is, whatever works for you, whatever is real. Like if that's you, that's you. Kobe expensive tequila make me sound cool or not cool. (laughs) 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 Oh God. Well, listen, I I mean, exercise for me has been just as important as like breath. So, um, I have had, I've exercised religiously throughout this entire time. Um, not, you know, not even for like, it's just a sanity thing for me. Um, it's a good way for me to get out a lot of that negative energy. So, you know, that has been crucial. I, I love, I love to work out and I love, um, you know, that, that gives me some time to myself too. Um, I've been trying to read as much as I can. 
um, reading for me is a is an escape, and it's just it, it also makes me feel really good when I learn about new different things. So that's been a really important part of all of this for me is just reading tons. And so I also listen to books too. So um, when I'm driving or I'm walking, I'm also listening. So that that's been good. Um, and you know. I, I, the truth of the matter is work has been really helpful for me. I know that doesn't sound like a, this sounds like a terrible answer actually, but like when I've been working throughout this time, it gives me focus and it gives me purpose and it makes me feel less stressed. Um, and that isn't the best, like how do I unwind by work? It's a terrible, terrible answer. I just want to be very clear about that. But it has been something that has helped me deal with kind of the noise outside. Um, and there's so much noise, right? There's so much noise right now. And, and that's been really tough. So, um, you know, and, and then I sleep. I sleep like the most amazing sleeper on the planet. I should get, somebody should give me a trophy for sleeping. Um, it's my superpower. It's what I really crush. Uh, I go to bed sometimes at like 8.45. Um, and it's the thing that keeps me healthy. It's the keep, if I don't have enough sleep, I'm a mess. So, I at least know these things about myself, um, but I also drink a lot of tequila. I just want to make sure that we plug that at the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I mean, and I, you know, I love that you're like, hey, that's how I do things. And it's not, you know, it's, I don't think there's any wrong answers right now. I think we're all doing our absolute best that we can and we're doing whatever takes, you know, whatever takes away that noise, whatever helps us, whatever keeps us sane. And I think everybody's definition of what sanity is, is just different, especially right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you you're know? right. I mean, yeah. so, I, you know, I, I love that you're like, hey, for me, because sim similar to me, it's like after the girls um, go to sleep and like after my, you know, my little baby girl like takes her first little like stretch for the night, I go like when I should be sleeping, I decide to go to my office and I go work and I work on content, I work on my creative and I, you know, I just do, you know, all that and it makes me feel good because most of the time during the day, I'm not able to check into any of that. I'm really... Right very much, you know, mom mode. And so it's um, interesting to hear you say that because I know it's like really maybe not the healthiest answer per se, but for some, I do think a lot of us really do thrive and find a lot of that passion and purpose and work. And I know yeah. I have, and I know that I think that when I had Amelia, my first, and I went through pretty heavy postpartum depression, I, you know, I think the part of that was because I wasn't able to be doing some of the things I was normally doing with work, um, with styling and being out in the world and just, you know, because I was, I had just recovered. I just had a baby, you know, yeah. I like, but I, in my mind wanted to be right back at it. And I think it just made me like insane. So I appreciate you sharing that. Cause again, like everyone has different things that like really make them tick and make them feel good in what they're doing. Yeah. And you know, it's funny when you're, when you were just talking, you made me think of something that like one of the things that I've struggled with the most throughout this pandemic, and I think this is pretty common with a lot of women, um, I have I have struggled with this kind of idea of lack of control, right? Like we just we had so I had my whole my whole life was under my control for most of, and then in March it just all stopped being under my control, right? Like my kids couldn't go to school anymore and I couldn't go to work and I couldn't see people. And all of a sudden it was like, well, when will they go back to school? When will this get back to normal? When will we be able to go do X, Y, and Z? And suddenly like none of it was in my control anymore. And I really had a hard time with that. And I'm still, too, I'm still struggling with that. 
with just like the ambiguity and the uncertainty of what's coming. And I think work for me was, is, is a way for me to feel like I'm in control. You know what else is the way I feel I'm in control? When I scrub my countertops 46 times a day. <laughs> so like, it's that idea that like, I can only control a few things right now. I can control the cleanliness of my house and I can control my work. Um, but that, that for me has been, um, it's been an interesting thing that's kind of bubbled to the surface for me to be like, oh yeah, yeah at least you're recognizing this about yourself. Um, so I don't know, that's kind of my, my big deep thought for today. <laughs> no, I love it. I think that's, I mean, Hey, look, we all have them. Right. And it's like, I think that a motherhood obviously is heavily out of our control 24 seven. And yeah. I think like you saying that of like kind of finding the things that you're in control of and things that just aren't you just aren't. And so it's like, you have to just kind of let go and be like, all right, well, I just don't have control over that. And I think all of us are kind of learning that lesson in this time with the pandemic. Like we're just, we're all not in control period as much as we want to be like, we're just not. Yeah. And so therefore we have to kind of just let things happen. And I, you know, I try to always be someone that have, you know, looks at things, the glass half full, even if sometimes it's really hard. And I feel like this whole time like has truly been in that sense of like a silver lining of like, we really are learning this time is, is really a shifting and growing time for all of us. And it's not going to be like this forever. And so we, we should take this time to learn as much as it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. It's uh, it's so hard. And especially when I was pregnant and, you know, quarantine, giving birth during a pandemic. And literally when I gave birth to Arlie, the riots broke out in Los Angeles. I mean, it was oh. Like, oh yeah, no, literally like I, I pushed her out. We moved over to postpartum and the riots broke out. I was like, but you know. Welcome to the world, sweetie. Exactly. But you know what? I, that's how she got her name. I, I tell when people ask me, you know, my husband and I, we wanted to, you know, have another A name on Allie. Amelia, you know, Amelia, my first is Amelia, and then I wanted another A, and we were debating all these different names, and we were going through our phone that we had written down, and long story short, when this all happened, we were, like, looking up, like, the name, like, the meanings behind the names, and Arlie, in Hebrew, because I'm half Jewish, came up as um, promise, and, like, a promise of something, oh. and so I said to my husband, I'm like, it's like a promise of a sweet new world, like, what the new, these new babies are bringing, and I truly believe that, so I feel like, you know, that was why she really aligned and came at this time, especially when all that broke out, so it's just, uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's beautiful, I love that, that's really Thank beautiful. Thank you, so, you know, it's just, um, but it, I, I just love that you're so real about, it. you're like, hey, like, it's, it's hard for me, too, like, even being a financial expert and, you know, being like where you are, because for me, like someone in, you know, small business and someone who is really, you know, pretty much just her own show and entrepreneur and mompreneur and all the things like, it's been really hard for me because most of my work has been taken away mm -hmm. and yeah. I to stay sane and like find other ways to get creative, find other ways to, you know, like make money, find other ways to contribute, like all these things. And it's like, thank God my husband, you know, is working and all that. But it's like, for me, I'm used to having that too. And I've had to kind of just like turn to myself and say like, okay, well, this is a short period of time where I'm just not going to be working the way I'm used to working. And at first it killed me, but now I've just finally slowly been letting it kind of just roll and be like, all right, well, guess this isn't my time to be focused on that. I guess my energy is supposed to be, you know, spent in other places. Yeah. 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 I think that's right. I think like if you can kind of come out the other side of this with like 
having learned a few things, I think, you know, I think that's, that's the silver lining of some of, of what we're going through is that we are learning some really tough life lessons right now. Yeah. Like, somebody said this recently and I, and I thought at first, I was like, she's probably, that's probably um, an exaggeration. But then I thought about it. She was like, this is hopefully, by the way, this is going to be the most difficult thing we ever lived through. Yeah, and, absolutely. I think many know, agree with that. And I think that I really truly believe like the spiritual side of me, I truly believe like that there is so much good and so much beauty that is going to come from all of this. And like they always say, you know, you can't get to the rainbow without a storm. And so I really believe like this is a massive storm before we get to like the next level of like what that beauty is. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to start. I have to think about that more. I, I've just been so kind of mired in so much of the noise and the negativity that I'm just not, I, I just need to kind of focus more on the positives. I do. Thank you for that, Alan. That was great. Yeah, nice. you're welcome. Well, I mean, look, we all get consumed by the noise. We all have hard things and I definitely have hard moments too. But for me, it's like, I've realized, especially when I was pregnant and after having Arlie, like I couldn't let the external match my internal. I had to switch that and I had to really make my own like external and internal, if you will. And like really come into this place of like, I'm going to make a positive space, even if things aren't so positive everywhere, because I need to, for me to be like the best mom and the best, you know, this, the best that, as especially to two, you know, two little girls and having a brand new one during this time, it was just really important for me to align myself that way, especially after having such a hard um, birth and postpartum depression, anxiety with Amelia and having such a heavy first year start, I was really determined to make sure that this journey was different and to make sure, especially yeah. there were two, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. Like, how, were you, I mean, obviously postpartum, um, you know, is so hard and it's so difficult, but like, were you, that's got to be such a fear for your second kid, right? Like, is this going to happen to me again? There definitely was a fear for sure. Um, and them. I definitely had to like swallow that and say like, okay, this could happen. And, you know, and, and long story short, like I had a C-section with um, my daughter, um, Amelia, after like 42 hours of uh, labor wanting to have a natural birth um, and water and unmedicated. That's a whole other story. But, um, you know, and so <laughs> talking about letting go and not having control. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, fast forward to Arlie, um, I was able to have a VBAC, vaginal birth after C-section. And um, I was able to, you know, really achieve what I truly for me personally wanted um, with my second. And I think that even though the noise and there's been so much craziness or anything going on in the world of 2020, I really think that because I got so intentional about what I wanted for that pregnancy and for myself and that postpartum and what that looked like, I was able to really take that fear and then kind of channel it towards I'm going to work so hard to empower myself to not be not afraid, but just be realistic that like all these things can happen, but I'm going to work really hard physically, mentally, emotionally, all the things to try to bring myself to a place where hopefully that doesn't become a reality. I do, you know, get my V back. I don't have another C-section. I, you know, don't go through postpartum depression again because I'm being very aware of my emotions and where I am, what's going on in my postpartum journey and all that. And so far, you know, knock on wood, I really have had, you know, very some of the moments of being in that space. And I'm so grateful that I really took the time to be so mindful of that fear and needing that support 
from the beginning of getting pregnant with Arlie. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Good for you. You know, so it's, uh, but again, I think it goes back to what we were just talking about with just everything in the world. It's like, I think we have to be really mindful of like everything we consume, how you were just saying that you've been in the noise and it's not to say you shouldn't be, but it's like, I think eventually we have to each turn to ourselves and say like, okay, I can be in the noise, but then I also have to find like my own sanity and safety and happiness because we all can't just be in the noise 24 seven or we're just going to continue to be in this mess. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Um, and I'm curious, like for you, I know you said you go to bed early and you like to have your cocktails. Like, I love it. I love my, I love my wine um, with ice. My husband always tells me I'm basic, um, <laughs> but um, I'm curious, like, do you have any kind of self-love, self-care that you like to do? Yeah. So I love me a good bath. Um, I, redid my bathroom a few years ago. And, um, I remember like I was said to my contractor, I was like, okay, and this is where we're putting a bathtub. And he's like, Oh, I don't think you need a bathtub. You're never going to use it. And I was like, dude, I want a bathtub. We're not talking about it again. And it is (laughs) the best thing I've ever done for myself. I will, sometimes I'll start the bath water while I'm putting the kids to bed. And then I like, I like literally like Good night, good night. Pop into this bath. I put on music. I like light a candle. I dim the lights and I just, I can't sit in it for very long because I'm not really good about sitting in hot water for too long, but I can sit in it for like eight to 10 minutes. And then I go straight to bed and I read a book. And those are like the best nights of my life. Um, <laughs> that right there is the best night of my life. Uh, so I do a lot of bathing. Uh, and then I read, um, I read tons of books. Um, and by the way, I, have you read Untamed yet? I was just about to ask you, can you please share like your, Oh my God, Allie, you, you must, must, must like, we are going to hang up and you are going to, you are going to order this book for me, please. Um, I need you to read it. Uh, Glennon Doyle has basically like blown my mind. Um, and she's just brilliant and such a good writer. And she has this way of writing to, and it's, it's almost like she's writing to like you and me, like she's writing to like our age and on our, you know, motherhood. And I mean, she talks about mommy martyrdom, by the way, I thought I created mommy martyrdom that (laughs) turns out she did. Um, but she talks about like the memos that were given the the memos that were given as, as moms and as women, and as even as little girls and how she's just basically taken all the memos and just burned them. And she's just like created her own path and she's done things differently. And, um, I, I feel like we have to have like another conversation after you read this book because it's been so impactful. And, and I'm, and I think her sales have definitely like gone up in the last two weeks because of me telling every living human being who will listen to me to buy this book. Wow. Um, Yeah. It's really, it's, it's crazy. The things that she, that she talks about and she covers everything. I mean, she covers every topic you can think about, but she's really stuck with me. And and so I'm going to tell you a funny story. So I read, I was, I had, all the new kindergarten moms over last night for a, um, a little drink in the backyard. And some of them I knew, some, some of them I know, and some of them I don't know as well. And I'm having a conversation with a woman I don't know. And we were talking about this book, Untamed, and she's also read it. And one of the things that she talks about is, Glennon Doyle, is she says um, that everybody in her life has a hobby, Right. This one plays hockey. This one loves photography. This one loves soccer. Girls are like in 12 different sports and da, da, da. And she said she realized that she doesn't have a hobby. And she like was really angry at herself 
And so she basically started taking guitar lessons and taught herself how to play guitar, which is phenomenal. And I said to this woman, I was talking to you, I said, do you have a hobby? And she goes, well, yeah, I work out. And I was like, no, working out is not a hobby. (laughs) That is a terrible answer. Go back and think about what your answer is. So I said to her, let's ask the audience. So we turned to these women and I said, hey, who here has a hobby? Do you know that not one woman had a hobby? Not one. Do you have a hobby, Allie? You know, you're saying this and I'm like literally getting chills. I honestly, I really don't. And it's so interesting. You just said that because so my husband and I were sitting one night, I think this was before the pandemic. I can't remember. Everything is a blur since I got pregnant, but you know, we're sitting there and we were talking about just things in life. And he said to me, like, you know, you need a hobby. Like, I know you love your job and you love like content creation. You love doing all these things, but it's still like work. Like, Right. You need to take yourself out of work. You need to have a hobby. And I'm like, I do. I like, then I go source and I, you know, I look at this with blogs and then he's like, no, you're still in work, but you're still, you're enjoying it, but you're still in work. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I, I do this and do that, you know? And he's like, no, but you like, you need to actually have like, what do you like to do? And I seriously sat there and looked at him and I was like, I, I, I don't know. And so you hearing you say this completely relates. Yeah. I mean, these women were stunned that none of them had a hobby. One woman's like, I really like fun. And I was like, no, no, that is not a hobby. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That is, I like chocolate, but chocolate's not a hobby. Okay. Like that's not the way it works. I mean, it is so scary to me that we are all doing all the things that we're doing and we are working so, so hard on a daily basis to like keep our families going and keep our businesses going. And, 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 you know, let's not to say that we don't have fun, right? I'm sure you occasionally go and have some fun, but like, there is nothing that women do for themselves. And that and this is not all women, of course, like there are the occasional, there's the occasional woman who has one has a hobby, but I don't know her. <laughs> I would love to meet her and, and talk to her about her hobby. But, but like, think about your husband. I'm sure. He's got a bunch of hobbies. Like, I don't know, yeah, like five hobbies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is something we're going to work on, you and me. <laughs> so do you have one? No, I don't have one. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I garden, but that's not like, that's like just to like make sure my yard looks nice and I enjoy it, but it's not like, it's not a hobby. Um, no, I don't have a hobby. I mean, is reading a hobby? No, I don't think so. I think that's like an activity. Yeah, see, um, so what's the difference between an activity and like a hobby? Horseback riding is a hobby. Okay. <laughs> right? okay. okay. Like golf is a hobby. Um, like if you were like, oh, I love skateboarding. Like I'd be like, oh, okay. Skateboarding is your hobby, right? Like it's something that you do to like, that you enjoy, personally enjoy doing. And I guess, I guess gardening is maybe one. I don't know. I mean, it's a lame hobby if that's my hobby. So I've got to work <laughs> on it. I've got to work on it. Well, I, I mean, I got to work on it because I, I don't even, I don't even have one. I mean, it's funny you say that because my husband said that to me before. And now, now you saying this, I'm like, okay, I'm getting like a nudge from the universe that I need to, uh, yeah. I need to find a hobby. <laughs> um, so interesting. And so do you think like you bringing that up, do you think that that is a part then of like kind of that self-love, self-care? Yeah. Oh my God. I think it's crucial. Like, I think that we as women don't 
do enough for ourselves, right? Like, like just, again, it kind of, some of it goes back to like being like, well, my kids need me. The other thing that drives me crazy is like, I throw a lot of parties, so maybe that's a hobby, but um, I've always thrown parties, big, small, whatever. Uh, And I always notice that the day of the party that women, like so many women bail the day of. And they're always like, oh, you know, Johnny has a, has a runny nose or like my husband has to work late or this and the other thing. And they always have like a million different excuses of why they can't come to the party. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, that is like, do you think that men don't go to parties because like their wife is working late? No, they, they go to parties. They, they don't cancel. They don't bail. Like, like men do things differently. Men put their own priorities first whether that's good or bad or indifferent, but like, we don't do that enough because we're always so worried about like failing our children or upsetting someone or, or not being there when you need, need, when you're needed. And I think that's like something that I try to be very cognizant of in my own life is to make sure that like, I take care of myself and that I am seeing my friends or I'm doing things that give me joy or I, you know, and, and I think that that's something that I need to like, I, I always try to impress upon my friends and, and the women in my life because we don't do it well. I love that. I think that's a great message. And I think you're right. It's like as moms, like we, we do all the things. And it's like, I, I say to my mom all the time now, I like bow down to her and realizing what she did for myself and my brothers. And as she was a, you know, a homemaker as her full-time job, at, you know, and that was her choice and what she wanted to do. And she decided to not go into her degree and all that and wanted to be home with us. And, and that's a whole nother, you know, situation. And I look at everything she sacrificed and put ahead, you know, for us all the time. And I had no idea until I became a mom that like, oh my God, like when you would run back in the house, you were just making sure of all the things being done. It wasn't just like one thing, you know? Um, and it's just crazy when you become a mom, how you realize that. And I love that you're sending that message of like, you really still should put yourself first, even though, of course, we love our, you know, our children, our, our child and our, our partner and all these things, like we still have to put ourselves first too. And that's something I try really hard to be mindful of and work on. It's a massive process for me. Yeah. Yeah. But at least you're working on it. True. I, I think, I think so many women go through life without even thinking about it, without even thinking about their own needs or what they really want or what they really, what passion they have or, you know, um, and, and I see that a lot with people, with women, and it worries me sometimes. Yeah, well, and because you are someone, you know, who obviously speaks to a lot of women, encourage them and all that, is, is that one of your ways of how what we're talking about, like to help encourage them to do for themselves by getting a hobby? Is that one way you kind of encourage them to move forward? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, it's like pay attention to yourself. Like allow yourself the love and kindness to to go inside and, and, you know, it's funny because self-care is such a, it's such a buzzy word these days or a buzzy phrase these days. And yet I still don't think, I think everyone thinks of like self-care as like immediately as like a mask, like, Oh, let me, let me go do a face mask tonight. And I, and I've achieved self-care, but it's, it's so much more than that. It's so much really like digging deep and being like, what do I actually want? Like in my life, like, am I actually living my life or am I living, am I going through the motions to make sure that everybody else's life is good? Um, 
And, and by the way, that ties in with me talking about money with women, right? Like if you think about, a, a, there's no more of a subject that's more taboo than money. Um, I mean, I have easier conversations with random strangers about sex than I have about money. Um, and people really shy away from it. They don't know how to talk about it. It's culturally embedded in us to be a little weird about it. Um, and women in general are taught at very young ages to shy away from thinking about money, talking about money, um, and learning about money. And so when I start to really have to like dig in with women and like have to start asking the tough questions to them, like it's, it's, it's tricky and it's, um, and it's sometimes uncomfortable and, and I have to sometimes say like, well, why is it that you spend money the way you spend it? And then that's like a whole psychological conversation in itself, right? I, it's like, I, I am not a psychologist, although sometimes I wear that hat, but um, yeah, it's, it's a really, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a really interesting topic that I have to have all the time with people and it brings up so much other stuff with it. So it's all very tied in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I love that you said like our society and like especially as women, we feel like we really like have a hard time with it. I know I do. I feel like I'm so good with my creative and I know how much of an expert I am and how gifted I am and all these things. But for whatever reason, like every single time someone asks me what my rate is or asks me what this is, what that is, it's like I freeze up and it's like, why why do we feel that way? Especially as women, why do we feel like we can't just say what we're worth. Why can't we just say X is my rate? Like, why is that so hard? What do you see that a lot when you are speaking to women? Yeah. All the time, all the time. And what's your advice? Well, I think you have to, first of all, you have to believe that you're worth something before you can just start throwing out, you know, you have to believe that that's what you're worth. So, you know, I think women who have a hard time saying this is my rate, um, you know, there's, there's a, uh, like imposter syndrome mixed in, in there too, is like, you know, so sometimes I'm like, okay, well, you know, let's take the practical approach, go and research what other people charge in this situation. And then you charge the same, you know, that kind of thing. People, women don't ever ask for enough money when they're asking for raises. Um, they sometimes, you know, they completely shy away from it. I mean, even, even I, for, for my entire career on wall street was terrible at asking for raises, like embarrassingly so. And to the point where I think about it now and it's such a source of embarrassment for me that I never advocated for myself when it came to money. And you know why? I didn't think I could. No one ever taught me that I could ask for things, that I could ask for more money. And, and that's what I really try to you know, impress upon women, especially young women, um, that it's okay to negotiate you can ask for men negotiate all the time. People expect for you to negotiate when you're not, you're just, you're like, you know, you're setting yourself up for, you know, not getting paid enough along, along the light, along your, your career. Um, but I, I see it also just in like, oh, I'm no good at money. I let my husband do it. Or I don't understand it. I've just ignored it all these years because it was too overwhelming to me. And, and guess what? Over time, the more you ignore it, it the more it goes away. <laughs> like it's, that's the way money works. <laughs> just keep ignoring it. It's going to go away. You're not going to have any. Um, so, you know, I have a lot of work sometimes with different types of women who come to me with help and, and I have to kind of take a big step back and say, okay, like we need to, we need to have a therapy session first. Um, and talk about where you got here and why you're here. Um, I had a conversation the other day with a woman who's 
you know, she's 40 and she's got a lot, she's got no money and she's got a good job. And I basically said to her, like, if you want to work with me, that's fine. But like, I'm going to beat the hell out of you. And we're going to have to have some really, really hard conversations about how you got to where you are right now. And if you're willing to do that, that's fine. But like, I can't, like, I'm telling you now, this is not going to be a fun experience for you. So it, it's all, it's, it's a different conversation with a lot of different women, but it's all comes back to the same place, which is mostly like lack of information and lack of access to money from the beginning. Yeah, no, I love that. So being that we are obviously in this kind of weird time and there are a lot of questions with money and a lot of people's jobs are changing and shifting or going away or all these things. And I know this is a very big loaded question, but like what advice do you have for, you know, women in general to navigate this time, to be able to, you know, be careful of their finances, but also still try to make money. Like what kind of advice have you been giving in this time? Well, um, some of the advice I've been giving, you know, there's just like, use this as an opportunity. If you're, if you're employed, if you're gainfully employed, um, and you have not had to take a serious pay cut. If you, you know, use this as an opportunity to save money, right? Don't, don't be silly and take the money that you would normally be using on trips and camp and this and that, and just blow it. Like have a concerted use for that money, put it into a college fund for your kids or put it into your retirement fund or just put it into an investment account and buy some stocks. So whatever that looks like that, you know, that's been for that, for that kind of world where they've been largely untouched by, by, by the economics of this all, you know, the people who obviously are losing jobs or are fearful about losing jobs, you know, that's a very different conversation. That's a very kind of scary conversation. So you have to say, okay, like, listen, we plan for this. You know, if you've been working with me long enough, you plan for having some kind of reserve and you can, that's what it's for. It's okay to have to dip into your reserve and when the going gets tough, but you're going to get another job. You got to get back out there. You got to get back on the horse. You got to focus. Um, you know, it's been also like a really volatile time in the market. So I've had to kind of basically focus on, okay, this is okay that the market is down. It's going to go back up. We know this is how things work. A lot of, you know, you know, talking people off the ledge. Um, and that got really gnarly back in, in like March. Um, that was some, that was probably some of the hardest conversations I've ever had. Um, because people were just straight up scared, right? I mean, fear and greed are the two factors that determine most people's investment decisions, fear and greed. And so at a time like March, people were just totally overcome with fear. So um, anyway, so that's, you know, it's been a mixed bag of, info, of, of advice that I've given, um, kind of depends on, on who it is, but my biggest piece of advice is just don't spend your money right now. There's nothing to spend it on anyway, so just save it. I mean, that's, that's good advice. It's very interesting that you said about fear and greed because oh, yeah. two very dense and like negative um, spaces to be in um, yeah. and, and probably are not good spaces to operate out of when it comes to money. So how, how would you tell people to navigate those two, you know, spaces and emotions since you're saying like, that's kind of the norm of how people operate? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I tell people that they should hire someone. You know, you, you should not be left to your own devices. If you're just a, you know, if you're a per, you know, you, if you're not an expert in finance, if you're not an expert in markets, you're not an expert in investing, 
um, and you've got enough money that it matters, you should hire someone. And, and because the person's job of, that you're hiring, it's their job to not allow you to make decisions based on fear and greed, right? It's my job to be like, no, Allie, I'm not going to let you sell right now, even though you're super, super scared. Or, hey, Allie, I think we should sell here. This is a good place. And you're, and you know, if you're like, no, Kristen, I think we, I think we could still go up another 10%. I say, great. If we go up another 10%, that's a good, that's, that's good. But we, you know, you never lose money by taking profit, right? You never like being, making smart investment decisions. That's what my job is as an advisor. And that's, you know, and that's why good investors hire good people because it allows them to kind of hand over their feelings a lot. That's and, awesome. I love that. Yeah. So for like, so for someone like myself who honestly, really would have no clue like where to even start. How do you, like, what would be your advice for maybe small business or an entrepreneur and that kind of thing when they're looking to hire someone or they're looking, of course, they like look to you, but like, you know, in general, I'm looking for someone local, like, you know, how do you go about finding the right person? This is a good question. So first and foremost, it doesn't actually have to be someone local. It can be someone that you, um, you know, I have plenty of clients. Actually, I have a ton of clients out in LA. and it, the first and most important thing that you need to look for in a financial advisor is someone that you trust and like. Um, you know, this is a, in a perfect world, your financial advisor is someone you're with for a very long time. It's, a, it's you grow together. Um, and so you want to make sure that that relationship is, is one that you want to be in, right? You don't want to dislike or distrust the person. And, um, that's first and foremost. The second thing is you want to make sure they're good at what they do. Are they capable? Are they, do they, are they intelligent? Do they have, have they been doing it for a long time? Are they surrounded by the right people and the right resources? Um, and the third thing is an interesting one is that you want to make sure that you're the right fit for the advisor and the advisor's the right fit for you. So if you call up an advisor and you start the conversation, you love her, you think she's great, you think she's super smart, and she says to you, well, I actually, all of my clients are um, corporate executives at Google. And you're like, well, I am a small business owner. I don't know that that makes a whole lot of sense for somebody who, like, you know, like me to work with you, right? And, and, the, and vice versa, right? You want to make sure that, like, you fit into their, into their model or the way, the way that they do business. Because you, you, know, you wanna make sure that you're being attended to and appreciated and, um, and you wanna make sure that somebody's checking in with you periodically. So I think there's a, it's a bit of a journey. It's a bit of an interview process. Um, it's a little weird to do it these days because you'd have to do it virtually in most cases. But um, I can't stress enough the, the trust part um, and the likability part. It's someone you actually want to be around and, and talk to. It should not feel like going to the dentist. That's, that's what I say to people all the time. Okay, I like that. It should not feel like going to the dentist. Awesome. <laughs> that's a, I mean, that's, that's a good thing to uh, think about. So it should really be a fit and it should really feel like a match. Like me as, a, me as someone who comes from the fashion background and stylist, like I should really feel like it's a cohesive outfit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, it's like anything. It's like any big hire in your life. It's like hiring a nanny or it's hiring, you know, you want to make sure that it's somebody you want to be around and you want to work with and you, and you know, but also is capable of doing the job. Right. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. All right. Well, you gave us so many freaking gems. I absolutely loved our conversation. Before I let you go, is there anything else you'd want to share with us or want us to know or anything like that? Um, I want you all to read Untamed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to order it. Now you, you're I like swear Jen and Doyle is not paying me. <laughs> <laughs> you're like the fourth person now to tell me about this. So now I feel like I have to get the book. Oh my God. Well, I don't know. So if you are also, if you're somebody who listens to books, it also might be a good book for you to listen to. So I don't know how you feel about that because I have been listening, but I'm such a psycho about this book that I actually went and bought it. So now I have it on my Audible and I have a copy for my nightstand. Anyway, um, um, so I want you all reading Untamed. I want you all to save your money. Um, and I want you, everyone to feel empowered about their money. And if you're not, then find somebody who can get you empowered. Amazing. Oh, and, where we can and no more mommy martyrdom. No more mommy martyrdom. <laughs> yes. I love it. And Kristen, tell us where we can find you and follow you. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Instagram is at the girl who saves money. Um, and our website is okeefinancialpartners.com. So if anybody wants to find me there, they can. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Until next time, guys, cheers and save your money. Bye.